I don't think I ever saw that bumper before, so I had to stick. stay tuned. What are we doing here? <laughs> Anyhow, thank you for joining me this morning, you guys. It's so wet outside. I knew whoever stepped in here, this message was probably for them because it was only by the grace of God. Did you see fit to roll out of bed and make it all the way in here through the puddles and whatnot? We're continuing our series on changes, and we've taken a look in the last few weeks on people who have encountered God and had a change as a result. So Lazarus was one of them. I loved the Hannah one. I don't know if you guys clicked with that one as much as I did. Uh, we had the blind man, uh, and who else did we have? Oh, John the Baptist. How could I forget him? Anyhow, all of these people that we've discussed so far have been changed because of an encounter with God. Today, we're going to be doing something different, so stay tuned. But if you are thinking, why should we talk about changes? Why is this pertinent? Well, I looked back at the last couple of years and thought about all the changes that we all have been through collectively as a community. <laughs> so um, we have worked from home. We have schooled from home. We have worked from work schooled from work, wait, worked from school. Anyhow, many changes, and if you're with Elon Musk, apparently you're working at work from now on. That's what I understand. Um, we've had the great resignation. We've had the great migration. We've had the middle part come back. We've had mom jeans come back. Lots of changes. Some of these good and bad, of course. Um, we've had family changes. So not just a uh, church home like us, like a church family, but you have probably also experienced change in your own family. Maybe you've added members. Maybe you've lost members. We as an Arbor family are looking ahead to a change coming up next month. We're, it's a little bittersweet. We, we have Ryan, our new pastor, coming on board. But then we also are saying goodbye to our interim pastor, Cliff. So we've got all these changes that are happening even here at this church family. So how does a person of faith encounter change and move through it in a God-honoring way. This is what we're going to be talking about today. How do we metabolize all those changes? And what does a person of faith do in the midst of seasons of change? Um, yes, I even, I was, as I was studying this, I saw that change was such an element. Uh, it was an essential in the last two years. The word pivot had taken sort of front stage for a while. I know it like brings flashbacks, but the Merriam-Webster word of the year in 2020 was pivot, which means to change. And then most recently, business consultants have advised people to leave the word pivot out of their presentations because it reminds people of so many pandemic associations. So anyhow, pretend I didn't say that. So... Vast changes happen, right? And as Christ followers, we want to know how to move through seasons of change, honoring him. Today, we're going to look at a part of scripture that uh, talks about people of faith in seasons of change. And we're going to take a 30,000 foot level tour through the book of Ruth, okay? Ruth has four chapters, and I'm going to be bringing out four truths from Ruth that you guys can take away as you uh, consider this challenge. Let's look at chapter one. 
It said, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. When they reached Moab, they settled there, and then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One was named Orpah, and the other was a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both of the sons died, leaving Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. So what kind of changes do we see in this very outset of of the book of Ruth. We see famine. Famine to the degree that you would move into a foreign country in order to find food. We see death that widowed three women. We see barrenness. There was a decade without children before the next generation was born. And the cultural context that I want you to be thinking about for someone like Naomi is that this isn't just a temporary discomfort that she has. This change doesn't mean just like her bananas got old on the kitchen counter. She's not mildly inconvenienced or grieving on a typical level. Because for ancient cultures, marriage and children, this building of uh, the generations, it provided support for the upper tier, the old people right? This was like their insurance plan. And it actually wasn't like a preferred provider type of plan. This was like, your children would care for you. um, And if you didn't have children to care for you as you grew older, the responsibility fell to your community to care for you. It was the responsibility of the village. Fortunately, the community laws that God established with his people provided for the marginalized. So there were laws built in where widows and orphans would receive care, and we'll see more of this later. But Naomi, in our first chapter of Ruth, is finding herself in a vulnerable situation with a host of unwanted changes that cascade and amplify the impact. So moving on, Naomi heard that in Moab, the Lord had blessed his people back in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters got ready to leave Moab and return back to the homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where they had been living. But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, you know what? You guys need to go back to your mother's homes you know what, thank you. The Lord bless you for all that you have done for your kindness to your husbands and me. And may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye and everyone broke down and wept. So she's basically saying, she said, actually, if you read this first chapter, she says to them like, dudes, I know that in God's law, what could happen here is that I would bear another son for one of you guys to marry, because that's kind of how it worked. We'll talk about more of that later. (laughs) But anyhow, she's like, I'm so old that even if I bear a son now, 
he's, it's going to be too long to wait. So I wouldn't advise doing that. Why don't you go back to your, mo- your mom's house, go back to them. And the two girls are just brokenhearted to think of leaving this dear woman. And actually, one of them does peace out. It's Orpah. She's like, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm out. <laughs> and the writer of, of Ruth does not cast any shame on her for doing this. She, he doesn't say like, you know, Orpah was kind of wimpy or Orpah just didn't have what it took to do it. There's no shame or blame going on. But Orpah pieces out and we have Ruth alone. And this... I. This next section I ripped off of the King James just because I love this. You probably have heard it at many weddings, but this is what Ruth says to her mother-in-law. And again, they wept. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people They're going to be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Can you imagine being loved in such a way? By your daughter-in-law, no less, (laughs) right? This epic loving response is not just a reflection of Ruth's great character, though she is great. She is awesome. She's actually the only person in scripture to be called an Eshe Shael, which is that woman of valor. I did a sermon on last year. A woman of valor. It's like the highest honor that somebody can be called uh, in scripture. But there's more than just amazing character going on here. You know, she's pledging a lifetime of support to this old woman. She is going to provide with a workload to carry, care for the both of them, right? It's a widow-run household. Na- uh, Ruth will rub Naomi's bunions. She will pluck her chin hair, right? Caring for the aged is not glamorous, even on a good day, right? So even the most noble character here, there must be something more going on. And it's because God is at work. God is at work providing for Naomi. And so he's giving Ruth what she needs to make that kind of a pledge. Ruth is offering to leave her homeland and live in a foreign country, far from her customs and her book club. But also from Moab, she will enter into the, town of Mo- into the town of Bethlehem, not just as a widow or a caregiver to a crone, but she's going to be coming in as a less respected foreigner. The countries of Judah and Moab had had tension for decades, long history of tension and disdain. From what I understand, it would be like an Oregon duck, I don't know, coming up here to live in UW territory, right, with the Huskies. It's just a clash, and it's not going to go well living together. But more than that, more than just social standing, not just supporting a silver tip or moving away uh, from her homeland, Ruth is adopting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Naomi. She is... She is a phenom, isn't she? 
And this is leading us to our first truth. I know we finally got, you know, like, what's the point, Allison? I've got four points, I said, and we're going to do them in countdown order because I'm going to leave the best for the last. So the number four, Ruth truth here, to help you through a season of change is to have a Ruth or be a Ruth, okay? Build community with someone who will pluck your chin hair, who will lean in and stand with you when life is messy, And when you don't feel like you have much to offer, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. And eventually you'll have to have vulnerability to show someone your chin hair in order for them to pluck it, right? But over time, it'll have that intentionality. And it doesn't have to be because you're related to the person. Note, Ruth and Naomi are related by someone who has died, who is is no longer there anymore. So their connection is lost. Ruth didn't have to go and care for Naomi. It was her choice. So have a Ruth and be a Ruth. Kids call this friendship, right? And the New Testament calls it one anothering. Scientists say that there's something about these relationships that's good for us, that makes me wonder if God wired us for friendship in this way so that we would flourish and thrive. Scientists say that they're... People with friends have stronger immunity, lower stress, lower cortisol levels, increased happiness, and longer life. It's like we're wired for that. So in change, when you're feeling disrupted and unsettled and stressed out, having a steady ministry of presence by someone who loves you and committed to you can add tremendous peace and stability. So have a Ruth or be a Ruth. Let's see what else is in our story. Verse 19 continues. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? Like they haven't seen her for decades, right? Because we even knew that there were 10 years of barrenness added to the time that they were already in Moab. So it's been a long time. And Naomi is like, hey, don't even call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Okay, I love that Naomi is emotionally honest here. But you got to believe Ruth just said like the whole speech thing, the whole pledge thing about like where you go, I'll go, your God, my God. She just finished that. And like the next thing that is happening in scripture is Naomi's like, I'm alone. (laughs) So Ruth's probably like, hey, (laughs) envy him. It's just me. But actually, I also love the fact that Ruth doesn't have any sort of retort. Ruth is playing the long game here. She's investing for the long term. She's not just looking for a really bright, shiny introduction here. Um, Pain is pain, and Naomi is speaking her truth. She is hurt. And when you speak that out loud, it gives your community a chance to respond, doesn't it? If you say, like, I'm lonely, (laughs) People have a chance to connect with you, and they know like you're open to being connected with. So Naomi's immediate status update with her friends doesn't negate Ruth's ministry of presence by any means. It's just not for the short run that she's serving in this this way. 
So I'll summarize the next portion here uh, in our story. Ruth decides in order to support the household, these two widows, she's going to have to feed the two of them. And fortunately, in God's law, he uh, made allowances for people in this situation. He called it gleaning. And so he instructed that the farmers, all farmers or landowners, were to do a couple things. Leave margin outside the crops before you harvested all of them. There would be some along the margins for people to come and pick off. The poor people could come and pick off what was left over. And God also said, um, while you're harvesting, if you drop stuff on the way, don't spend time picking it up off the ground. Allow the, the poor people to come in and glean off of that and take away food that they need. So it just so happens that Ruth decided like, hey, I'm going to go gleaning. This will be a way for us to like have food. And so she picked a field. It just so happened that the field that she picked belonged to a rich single guy named Boaz. This is going to be very good. <laughs> Boaz noticed that there was a new woman gleaning in his fields. And he asked all the other people around, like, so who is that? Like, do you know her? What's her story? You know how we do. He didn't have like the Facebook stalking thing to do. He was like, so, so who is this? What's her story? And everybody explained like, so she's from Moab. Her husband died. She's supporting, lovingly supporting Naomi. And so Boaz like, okay, all right. He goes over and introduces himself to her. He says, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us while you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. I want you to stay right behind the young women working in my field. And I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. So I think here he's aware that in the fields there can be some harassment going on. And he's putting a protection over using his authority to protect her. And then he goes on and says, when you're thirsty, I want you to help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. And Ruth fell at his feet, thanking him warmly. What have I done to deserve this kindness? She said, I'm just a foreigner. Yeah, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for all you have done. So, okay, our Ruth truth number three. Remember, we're going down in order. There was like number four was be, have a Ruth, be a Ruth. Your next one is be a Boaz, be a Boaz. In seasons of change, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate through a change, be a Boaz. Notice I didn't say, like, get a Boaz. <laughs> I feel like that would, uh, you know, tempt your integrity in a way to go, like, after, I don't know, somebody who would provide for you and, like, I don't know, uh, lean on. So that's tricky enough as it is. So I'm just going to stick with be a Boaz. If you're in a position of being generous and 
able to use your authority or your role to protect someone else in a season of change? Do that, okay? He is so generous. Okay, and I, I think you guys can deal with this, but while I, was, while I was researching his generosity, I noticed that he had invited Ruth after her first day of gleaning, he, he invited her to dinner, right? And it was kind of like the, it feels like an inner circle maybe, like of, anyhow, so he, she comes to the inner circle, she's having food. Afterwards, he gives her leftovers and he measures out a bunch of grain for her to take home to Naomi. And really, I was deep diving here. It it sounds really dry until I come across this one thing. Um, He gives her enough leftovers that measured an ephah. And I was like, I wonder what an ephah is. Like, how much is that? Well, it's a tenth of an ass load. Is what the is what the scholars were saying. It's a how much can a donkey carry? Okay, so the ephah is a tenth of that, and the scholars were writing like, and I was like, should I use that word in my sermon? I don't want to come across sacrilegious, but I also thought as way funny. Boaz gave her like almost an ass load of grain to take home. I thought that was awesome. So anyhow, he went above and beyond to help the foreigner, right? Someone without high social status and who could use a donkey load of help. So in seasons of change, I want to encourage you to be a Boaz. If you're in a position to be generous or protective, yes, do that. Okay, continuing our story, we're going to get to Ruth truth number two, which is have a Naomi or be a Naomi. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, Naomi was like, oh no, Ruth said, the man I worked with is named Boaz. Wow, may the Lord bless him, because she's looking at the donkey load, right? May the Lord bless him, Naomi told the daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. This man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Okay, so what is a family redeemer? It was called a kinsman redeemer. And this being Jubilee week over in Britain, I was kind of thinking about it like the queen. So the queen has a crown. If she dies, she had, you know, hands it off to Charles next in line. If Something happens to Charles, goes over to William, right? And then William, it goes down through all of his children in order, birth order. So the kinsman redeemer is much like that. You have your husband. If your husband can't wear the crown <laughs> or dies, his younger brother is your plan B, okay? And if that guy is not available, you're like, going after the next younger brother. So you go through all the younger brothers, right, till you're out of them. And then when you're out of them, you look at your next of kin. Boaz is that for Ruth, okay? Now, scripture doesn't say, like, does Boaz realize this off the top? Like, Naomi's clicking right away, like, oh, I see how this might work. We don't see indication that Boaz is making these, like, He's not going to take the initiative. Let's just say that. But Naomi knows Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, so she will take initiative. One day, Naomi says to Ruth, my daughter, it's time I found you a permanent home so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, 
and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. So do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. I want you to go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you till he's finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lays down, and then go and cover his feet and lie down there too. He'll tell you what to do. So Naomi may be old, but I think she did pretty well in chemistry class, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, she knows how that works. Uh, Full of wise counsel. She is willing to take initiative. She's willing to be proactive. And she's got knowledge, like context, family context, right? She knew who the kinsman redeemer would be. So speaking of all that, Boaz ends up kinsman redeeming Ruth. He does marry her. Where would he have gotten there without Naomi's nudge? I'm not positive. It doesn't say that he ever took the initiative on that. Um, So this makes me think, if we were a Naomi in a season of change, that would look like us helping others along the path as well. Um, And also having a mentor who can help you down the path as well would help. Do you need somebody who will help you take next steps and have courage? Do you know someone who knows the context of your situation and can give you compassion and direction? And in turn, are you making yourself available to counsel and encourage those who are a few steps behind you in life? For those of you who are in an unwelcome season of change, It also may be that this is new territory for them also. Or maybe it's something that you've already walked through, like getting out of a poor work environment. You know how to make a job change, so you might be able to help someone else. Maybe you know how to work the scholarship game, and so if somebody needs an education, you can come along and show them how to make that happen. Maybe there's someone new on the job where you work, Maybe someone new on the block or new in the pew that you can befriend. Keep in mind, Naomi knew what it was like to be a single woman in a foreign country. And so she's helping her daughter-in-law navigate that season as well. She also is a single woman in a foreign country. Your life experiences, especially the hard ones, qualify you to help others navigate change. Where your path has led you, think of who's on the path behind you. How can you help with your experience? So in seasons of change, have a Ruth, be a Ruth, be a Boaz, have a Naomi, be a Naomi. And these are all like really good things, but the best I've saved for last. But first, let me see how the story changes for these characters. Remember, the changes at the beginning were famine, poverty, immigration, widowhood, barrenness. But by the end of the story, instead of famine, there was a harvest. Should we say there were donkey loads of grain? (laughs) Instead of poverty, there was plenty. Instead of wandering, there was a new home country. Instead of widowhood, there was marriage. 
and instead of barrenness, there was a child born to Boaz and Ruth. This is what it says. Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women in the town said to Naomi, Praise God, who's now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him. <laughs> and she cared for him as if he were her own. That's like free child care. <laughs> the neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Yes, so if their baby became King David's grandpa, this means Ruth and Boaz were in the lineage of Jesus. Their union was ordained by God all along, which leads to our last best Ruth truth as we cope with difficult changes in our lives. Ruth's truth number one is remember God's loving kindness to you. Remember his loving kindness to you. Woven throughout this story and throughout the Old Testament, there is a word called loving kindness. It means loyal love, and it's called chesed, Terrible pronunciation. Uh, but Hesed is showing up here, meaning God's acts of loving kindness in your life can be given through him to fulfill his promises to you or his purposes to you, but also they can be given one to another. So Hesed was a word that was also used for the acts that Ruth and Orpah gave to their dying husbands and to Ruth or and to Naomi. So in times of hard changes, remember to trust the loving kindness of God, that he's doing something in that season for you. Scripture says that loving kindness redeems us from our troubles. It preserves our life and saves us from our enemies. And the writers of scripture call that everlasting, abundant, and good. In times of great change, you may not have a sense of God's loving kindness in the moment. We may wonder, what is taking him so long? <laughs> Why is he not fixing things yet? Why is he not going a little faster? Or we may not recognize the season as being beneficial to us. But if you were going to look in the rearview mirror of your life, my guess is that you would see God's has said his loving kindness woven throughout your own story of life. The places he's taken you have served a purpose. And sometimes like Ruth, you just so happen to end up in the right field at the right harvest time, encountering somebody instrumental in your life. You may at the time have thought it was just coincidence or a lucky break, but I think it was the loving kindness of God. I have a million of these stories from my own life, but I decided to pick one out that relates to where I am right here today, right here with you. <laughs> um, once upon a time in May of 1990, the olden days, May of 1990, uh, a young couple uh, from California, Southern California, transferred up to Seattle 
for a 10-month work project. They had an artifact with them from that era, which is called the speakerphone, and it had a speed dial. Exhibit A. <laughs> Does anyone recognize that thing? <laughs> yeah. So this, this, I know, it's just a sketch. It's an artist's rendition from the scientific discoveries of 1990. <laughs> so, so this young couple, it's raining. It's, it's Seattle. They're up here. They're lonely. They're, it's raining. Did I say it was raining? So instead of renting a, a video from Blockbuster that night, they decided to call their friends Jeff and Nancy and they were gonna use their fancy speed dial because you saw those buttons at the top, right? So imagine their surprise, ring, ring, ring. Who picks up? It's not Jeff and Nancy. It's my former boss, or this person's older <laughs> former boss, Daniel, who was the missions and children's pastor at Mariner's Church in Southern California. It just so happens that we misdialed even with that speed dial, which you would think is like, how hard is that to misdial? Anyhow, so seeing as it was a Saturday night, Daniel asked us, have you guys found a church yet? The answer was no. And he said, why don't you try Overlake? We hear that it has a really robust missions program. So we were like, cool, hang up. Next morning, we go to Overlake, where they just so happened to be having a young marrieds class starting that morning. 25 years later, <laughs> I kid you not, we finally left Overlake, along with a robust core team, to plant a new church, which would one day eventually be called Arbor. I see God's loving kindness towards us on a lonely Saturday night. I see his hesed as we misdialed a phone number. I see his loving kindness orchestrate the timing of a church visit with the launch of a group that we still consider family. In the book of Ruth, we see God's loving kindness and his care for Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Some of the acts of kindness are long plays, right? It's not uh, easily seen in the moment, but in the rear view of their donkey, they can see his loving kindness. It provided famine relief in Moab. It was the place where Naomi met Ruth. If they hadn't traversed over there to Moab, they never would have made that connection together, even if a famine uh, was the reason. And then in time, God ended the famine in Bethlehem, and they traversed back right at the right time to meet Boaz. God compelled Ruth to stick by Naomi. When they were saying their goodbyes with Orpah, and it probably sounded like a sweet deal to go back home to mom, there was something, God, <laughs> in Ruth that said, no, nope, I'm gonna stick with this, with Ruth, or with Naomi and make, make my life with her. And God just so happened to place Ruth in the harvest of Boaz. Of all the fields to end up in, it was providentially the field of her kinsman redeemer. I kind of love that God also listened to the plea of Boaz when he had prayed for Ruth to be blessed. I love that the Lord used him to be the answer to that prayer, right? He's saying, may God richly reward you for all you've done 
And then Boaz himself marries her and is able to provide, procreate, and protect her. So with loving kindness, he drew a diverse family together. And from it came our Savior, Jesus, down the, down the line. So in closing, I just want to remind you that God is at work writing your faith story as well. I want you to take heart that the changes that you're going through right now, they may shake you up for today, but they may be part of a plot line that blesses you tomorrow. Changes happen, but it's not without God's loving kindness working in you a purpose, not just for you, but the people around you. Maybe some of those people you haven't even met yet. For Ruth, there was a decade of barrenness and widowhood. If she had had children of her own with her husband, would she have gone back to Bethlehem to, be, to meet Boaz? I don't know. You may identify with one of these characters more than another. And so I want to take a moment of reflection before we close. So if you would just close your eyes for a moment before we pray. I want you to consider the changes that you have in your own life. Do you feel like Naomi with unwelcome changes that have left you empty and bitter, needing to be filled? Do you also know, though, that you're filled with wisdom and experience and you're ready for God to show your purpose again? Do you feel like Boaz, a little bit slow to change, <laughs> but rich in so many ways? You have so much to give, but you do need God's wisdom and grace and maybe a nudge somehow to move you out of complacency. Or do you feel like Ruth, do you feel like Ruth doing whatever it takes in a season of change? You're working hard. You're plucking chin hairs. You're muscling through the worst of times. But you also love when God shows up with his loving care to make a way for you with that has said loving kindness. Whoever you resonate with, our need is the same. It's found in God. And so let's close out by praying. Lord, we see your loving kindness in big ways and small throughout our lives. Help us to trust you, Lord, when we can't see where you're taking us. We trust you to fill us where we're empty, Lord. We trust for you to provide for us in spiritual famine, economic famine, relational famine. Thank you for the lessons here that you've shown us through Ruth, that through these characters you showed up with your loving kindness, and we take courage that you will do the same for us. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>